First Corinthians 12 talks about how that a, a body is many members. And all of us understand that correlation, that in order to have a body that accomplishes something, you have all the pieces that do that, and all the pieces have to work together. And that would be obvious uh, for a time like this. But with that in, with that in mind, let's go through a little exercise here uh, for a moment. Um, but would people say that, like a guest comes, would they leave Southwest Baptist Church? And give me an honest answer to this. Don't don't pretend, okay, this is what he wants to hear or not wants to hear. Uh, is the average guest going to leave Southwest Baptist Church and say something along the lines of, that church is friendly? So, I mean, I, I haven't been a guest here in a long time, so I, I was preparing if, if you said no. <laughs> I thought, okay, well, what am I going to do now? i got to change my notes. Um but, but the same thing would apply even if you said no. So, would, I mean, would you, most of you agree that that would be the case? They would say something like, Southwest Baptist Church is friendly. Okay. So how many would be here? Let's say that's a Sunday morning. How many members, does anybody know about how many members would be here on a Sunday morning? Numerically. About 1,000? Okay. All right, let's say 1,000. So that guest came in. Uh, how many members, on average, do you think greeted them from the time they walked in to the time they left? I mean, give me what you think would be an average number. 10, 12, 15. All right, let's take an average. Let's, let's say 12. All right, so what, what percentage is 12 of 1,000? Do we have any, like, math whizzes? Kevin? Okay, all right, exactly. That's a pretty small percentage. But on the other hand, their statement was Southwest Baptist Church is friendly. In other words, they, they made a determination about this whole church based on 12 people. They made a, they made a decision about 1,000 people based on 12. And those 12 people cause that person to leave and have a particular view about this whole church. Twelve people affected their view of a thousand. I mean, isn't it amazing how such a small segment can leave an impression that represents the whole church? And whatever else they might have said, you know, they, they could say that the preaching was great. Well, that was based on one person, and that's all there is, sure. because that's... But, but when they say the, the church was friendly, they're basing that on 12 people, but they're applying it to, to everybody. All right. So it's amazing how such a small segment can leave someone with an impression of a whole church in that way and, and an extremely small percentage. But let's say that you take a really small segment and then you put them on the platform in front of everyone. Now, how much power do you have in the effect of an influence of just a few people over what somebody's impression of the whole church would be? And obviously, you call them the choir, and, and you have this incredible opportunity to leave an impression on guests and members alike um, about the church and about God. Because when they leave and say the church is friendly— all right, that's about the church. But the music has a way of reflecting their view of God. 
And, and, and so even though you're only one person, you're part of this small segment that has an opportunity to make every bit as much of an impression as your pastor does. Before he ever gets up to preach, they already have an impression. I mean, before the music starts, they already have somewhat of an impression. And hopefully you're one of the friendly ones that, you know, of course, I shouldn't be meeting you two minutes before the service because I think you're supposed to be somewhere else, you know. So leave it to all the other people to make them think it's a friendly church, but you're going to do your part. Of, but you're, you have an opportunity to do that. And, and imagine, this is part of the privilege of being in the choir. You lose sight of the fact that very few people get on the platform and have the attention of the whole congregation focused on them. I think we lose sight of that. Not, not just how many people in this church get that privilege, how many people in this town get that privilege? Where somehow God arranges something in their life to where they stand on a platform in a, a place of prominence and looking out on, on well over a thousand people and you take guests and kids and everything, you get, you got a bunch of people out there and we can lose sight of the fact that God allows me a segment in a service to make an impression on them. Every one of you here get to do that. And, and it's, it's so easy to, lo to lose sight of that. And, and so when you, when you think through your stewardship of those moments, you know, one of my greatest regrets as a parent, I'm thankful for where, where my kids are. I'm, I'm truly thankful, but I still have regrets as a parent. And, and one of those is not stewarding moments more than I should have, as much as I should have. And realizing there are just moments, teachable moments that I didn't take advantage of. Or, or there were times that, that I, I might have seen something in a different light and I didn't respond the right way. But it comes down really to, to one of our men's advanced themes, and that's the idea of moments. And, and there are moments in every Sunday morning, Sunday night service that you have to be a steward of. Because you, there you're, you know, maybe others of you have times during the week when you're in front of a thousand people influencing them, but I doubt it. It's probably very few. And you get these moments when it's not just that you are standing in front of all of these people, this congregation of people in, a, in the church that Jesus Christ purchased with his own blood. You get the opportunity to do that, but you get to lead them in a very important part of the service. And maybe not just you directly, but you still as a small percentage of the rest of the people. And you have to steward that moment. Even within the choir, ask yourself, how many are there actually, how many choir members are there actually stewarding that time with excellence? As opposed to those that have just gotten used to it because you've been there a long time. You know, would you agree that not everybody in the choir has the same gifting as everybody else? Yeah, there's a lot of choir members are, not, are never going to sing a special. It's just not up to that. We were talking about this at the table um, over breakfast a little while ago, and I remember the first time that the men's group made a, a, a cassette. You know, it wasn't a CD. It was a cassette at this point in time. And if you don't know what that is, uh, afterwards I'll show you a picture or... <laughs> You can look it up on historical Wikipedia, something like that. They're making a cassette, and I was—I had already recorded the piano, and I'm sitting in the control room, and the uh, the the sound engineer uh, is just bringing up individual tracks, and I'm hearing those individual tracks and thinking, "Oh, this was a mistake. Nobody's ever going to listen to this." I did not realize we were so bad, because it was—I'm serious—it was disgraceful. 
I mean, God deserved so much better than what I was hearing. And then he began to add all the tracks together. And by the time it was done, I realized, you know, Lord, I know that I know you created, you know, the physics of sound and all of that. But this, honestly, sincerely, this is almost supernatural because there's no way they, they, they deserve to sound like this. <laughs> it, it's terrible. It's terrible. But then you hear it together, and it's, I, can't, I couldn't believe it. it. It's the power of, of, of physics and music when God puts people together. And, and some of you that will never sing a solo, you contribute to something that really, if you have a great solo and you have a great choir special, for me personally, choir special trumps solo any day. As far as the power, because there's something about the combined power of the work of grace that God has done in all of these voices. And, and I, I realize, you know, one voice can get up and do a great job. I'm not, I'm not dismissing that. I'm so thankful for that before some messages. But boy, when you have the, the powerful choir that, that is talked about even in, in heaven, it's going to be a choir. You know, there's not much about solos there. It's going to be a choir because it is so powerful in that. And, and you may not ever get to sing a solo, but here's your opportunity to be convincing in that one position because it's a bunch of individual chairs that makes up that choir. But you're going to have to be passionate enough to say, I'm going to steward every moment to make the very best of that. And because every choir member has to answer for what they do with their stewardship of you being a part of this choir at this point in time at this church for this God. And, and really, when you think about it, um, and I, I realize there's probably some, some bus workers in, in the room, how would you like to be a bus worker instead and give the amount of time that they give? Choir members, for being able to stand on the platform in front of people, there's really not a significant amount that's asked of them compared to the privilege they get. So it makes it even a little bit more you know, you're just wondering, you know, what, what goes on in people's minds whenever they get to do less than maybe even a Sunday school teacher who has a lesson to prepare and people to visit. The choir member has less to do than most people in ministry, but yet they get to be on the platform right. in front of everybody. And yet many of them still can't make practices. And it's like, why don't you go be a bus worker for a while? Why don't you go teach a Sunday school class? Because I'm not sure you need to be on the platform. You know, because it, to whom much is given, much is required. You know, and, and it might be that, that you've slipped a little bit into that New Testament Levite position. And some of the fire is going out. You know, I, I was so blessed recently. Um, I was just talking to Brother Keith. Our, our orchestra is a real, it's kind of like the 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 exploding part of our church right now and and especially a lot of our young people and and so this summer in fact just a few weeks ago we had I think about 28 of them you know, jumped in a car and drove all the way up to Wisconsin uh, Menominee Falls Wisconsin to go to a strings camp and and winds camp and all of that and, and spent time and, and money going up just to get better at their instruments and I, I man I just stopped and thanked the Lord for that and thought these are people that are willing to invest in their craft and their skill and, and to use whatever gift God gave them to, to grow it and have poured time and money into it to make it happen. And so I did take time to say to our choir, um, y'all pay attention to that because the orchestra now has put in thousands of dollars and hundreds of hours 
um, and yet you get by with just showing up for practice every week and then getting to stand in front of everybody, and then everybody just says amen when your special's done. And, and I would think that's such a privilege that I would want to pour everything that I can into that. So be mindful of how much difference such a small segment can make and, and be sure you, you take the right kind of, of advantage of that. So I told you about going to the, the choir at OSU when I became an OSU student, and that, that was a, a changer for me. And then when Brother Jason Jett left to, to take the pastor, he left being the music director at Bible Baptist after 18 years and, and then went to take the church in South Dakota, then I took the music over for a while, and, and I just felt like I needed to get back in touch with it and, and wanted to reestablish some passion and some vision. So I took it for several months, and at the same time preparing Brother Jonathan Higdon to kind of take that role as a layperson. Um, and so I had the opportunity to do that, but I, I needed some inspiration. Well, I happened to be taking, I, I take what are called deep weeks, just a, a week for me to get out and study and, and focus and plan without all the, the interruptions. I happened to take it to Salt Lake City, and I was just reading something, and it mentioned the, the Mormon Tabernacle Choir practice was an open practice that week. And I thought, oh, that'd be cool. So, so I, I, went, I went to... Uh, signed up and actually got in on the list and set in on a choir practice for the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, which, you know, arguably is the most famous choir in the world yeah, sure. and probably the most advanced choir in the world. And walked into their convention center. Man, this, this place seats like, I don't know, like 8,000 people. And, and they're all up there in the choir loft, and they have the whole orchestra there. And uh, they do like a 10-minute uh, streaming presentation every Sunday morning. So it's all music that they're presenting, and somebody has a reading in, in the middle. And, and so I sat through that choir practice. I, mean, I was just blown away. I was just blown away. Because obviously they don't, they don't serve the same God we do. You know, I mean, it, let's just be clear. You know, although they're religious, it, it's still very different. But at least their, their focal point is who they consider God to be. All right. And, and their excellence is out of this world. And what the requirements are for every individual choir, I think there's 300 in their choir and about 120, I think, in the orchestra. And I'm telling you, that it was like the OSU choir on steroids when it came to seriousness. Because every time the director was speaking, nobody talked again. But this was for God. And I sat there in it and I thought... You know, is it only independent Baptists that are not as serious about their choirs? Because I've gone and preached at places, and they'll say, hey, you know, you, you've got some interest in music. Would you come sit in on our choir? And, and, um, and so I'll go sit in. And a lot of times, you know, I'm first sitting there, and, and it's like perfect because everybody's scared. Like, oh, we got a guest here kind of observing the choir. So, so nobody's going to be the one to talk. But it, it, never, it, it never fails. 10, 15 minutes, they're over that, you know, and it's like everybody's just every man for himself. Every man does that, which is right in his own eyes, you know, and, and, and you realize, okay, I, I, I can give you some practice things, but, but number one, you're getting 20 minutes practice out of an hour's time, you know, and, and that's a disservice to God. And, uh, of course, I don't think I've ever had to go back and preach at any of those places after that, you know, <laughs> after saying something like that. But it, 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 it really is. It, it ought to be, if, if, we, if we're going to say... We think we've got a handle on, on proper music. Then our practices ought to reflect it. And it ought to be that people come in and, and that our practices are every bit as diligent as you expect Jason Gaddis to spend in his study preparing that message. Because you have to sit under that message. 
You ought to want him to, to be passionate and, and to be diligent. But there are a lot of people that have to sit under your singing. And they ought to believe that, you know, the, the part of the service that's for God, every person on that platform that fills a, a seat in that choir is just as diligent about pointing me to God as my pastor is about pointing, pointing me to God through the preaching. And, and it, really, it really ought to be that it doesn't matter what chair it is on the platform, that if it's on the platform, it is filled with passion. I, I don't remember how many you have that are right on the platform that, that, you know, that Brother Aaron would sit in, Brother Gas would sit in, and Brother Ted, and everybody sit in. And, and those, every time you go on that platform, there ought to be something click in your mind. My chair is still on the platform, and I'm leading. I'm in a form of leadership because I have been taken from that congregation and placed up here, and I'm going to take that extremely serious, and I'm not going to be the weak link on this platform. Is that the preacher version? Pretty straight, huh? So, all right. So let, let's, um, let's deal just a little bit with some of the, some of the good practices here. Obviously, it, it seems like it, it, it ought to be... Um, like freshman level type stuff, which would mean something to you since you you know you host Heartland here. But attendance, it, it's interesting to me that people think they can be in a choir without being there. Yeah. Now this is not a prayer ministry. You can't do as good being a choir member by staying home and praying. I mean, it sounds spiritual, but it. I mean, you could be part of the prayer support for the choir, but you can't be a part of the choir and and, and not be there. It actually requires attendance. And, and it doesn't require us attendance in, in the, the performance part. It's on the practice part as well. And so just be sure that that is set in your mind because it really is easy for us to lose sight of that, that the, the whole idea of a choir is the combined voices, and if the voice isn't there, then, then the choir is there. So obviously attendance becomes a big deal. And I, I'm finding more and more that's the number one problem that a lot of church choirs deal with is people making it a priority to be there uh, for practice and, and for the times that they're ministering in song. I want to challenge you to care about your testimony enough to be there, but then even to inform somebody if you can't be there. I, I found this, some of this comes from being the choir director again after Brother Jason left, that there would be maybe five different people that didn't come to choir, and I didn't know about any of them. And so since I was the preacher and I had a reputation anyway, I just call them on the phone and say, hey, I missed you in choir today. They said, oh, yeah, I just didn't think to tell anybody because it, I mean, it was just me. And I said, but do you realize there were five, just you? <laughs> and and our, our choir is not as large as the choir here, and so five makes a difference. Um, and yet... I wanted. I didn't just want them to be in attendance. I wanted them to care about their testimony as a choir member enough that they didn't want anybody wondering if they were just out messing around. That they cared about their testimony as part of this camaraderie of the choir that ministers to the congregation every Sunday morning and Sunday night, that they would say, I don't want the leadership wondering if I was just skipping. And I, I don't want to be the one that... That I, I'm not, I don't want to be the one that treats the, the choir with less diligence than I treat my work because I would never just not show up for work. Right. And yet choirs work. 
Choir practice is work. If you're going to do it right, it takes a lot of thinking to, to listen and to pay attention and to be, do you write in music? Do you write on your music? Okay. So, and then to, to write down the things that you need so that, so that you can, can take note of that. And so, could I challenge, if you fill a, a chair on, in, in the choir loft that you decide nobody's ever going to have to wonder if I'm going to be here. There are exceptions. People just can't be somewhere, and maybe they couldn't tell somebody at the moment. But care enough about your testimony as a choir member to say, I want to be sure somebody knows. And, I, I, and I'm sure you have channels for who you're supposed to let know. Maybe it's Brother Aaron. Maybe you have you know, section uh, captains or something like that, who, whoever that would be. And then develop enough of that passion so that if you can't make a choir practice, it becomes a big exception, that it's a big deal to you. You want church members that it's a big deal to them if they miss church. Sure. So you want choir members who it's a big deal to them if they miss because you can get a segment of choir members that it begins to spread and it's very infectious in, in a not so great way that whenever one person treats it kind of lightly that another person feels like, okay, well, that's, I guess that's acceptable. And so they begin to treat it lightly. Um, oftentimes, it ha- the reason that a choir maybe isn't everything that it could be is not, it doesn't have anything to do with music. It, it is attendance because you have to have good attendance in order to make things happen. And, and just make it a practice. I'm not going to just not show up. Because some, what happens is a, a person thinks, again, that it's just, it's just one, it's just me, but then there's others who do the same. But, but here's the challenge. There, there ought to be something inside any and every choir member that says, I'm not going to use the excuse to say it was just one because then I'm making this a horizontal thing that it's about. The rest of those are going to make up for my absence. You need to make it a vertical thing that this is between me and God first. Before it's about my effect on them, it's about my effect on him. And every choir member ought to have the character that says... I. I would never use that as an excuse that, well, there's just so many, it doesn't matter. You are in choir as a direct child of God, and, and God gives you that privilege. And so be a choir member first and foremost before him. And, and, and be sure that it's not just about, well, everybody else will make up for that. No, have some character before God that says, I, I, will, I will be there, and I'm not going to treat this lightly. You know what's interesting is we're not even talking about music right now. We're talking about character. It has, it has nothing to do with music. I mean, that's the application of it, but probably all of you have worked a job, maybe, or mostly maybe worked a job where somebody, you know, you have the millennials that they just don't show up. I hear our business owners talk about that, and it drives them batty. Yeah. But then when I think, are you kidding me? We actually have choir members like that? They're not even millennials. They just, I don't know what age they are, but they, they, just, they just don't show up, and nobody knows why. And I think sometimes we lose sight of the fact that's a problem. That ought to be named in the house of God. And, and yet that is evidence that the culture just kind of seeps into us and it seeps into our music programs and, and it, it affects visitation, it affects outreach, it affects Sunday school, it affects bus ministries, and it affects choirs. And so you just have to decide not, okay, I'm going to buy into this music principle. No, buy into the character principle that your yay is yay and your, and your nay is nay. All right, boy, this is just such good stuff, you know. I, I have learned amen myself, you know. In, in a, um, another principle that we, I know that has been helpful to us at Bible Baptist is you only earn the right to stand in front of people once you've earned the right to stand beside them. 
And in other words, if you're going to stand in front of people, you ought to at least have earned the right to be as faithful as they are when you stood beside them. And, and so I remind our choir members a lot of times, all right, you're standing in front of people who are, who are here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, the, the, the men are, men's prayer meeting, and, you know, given travel and all those kinds of, there are people that live further out of town, they're not going to be at maybe some of the extraneous. But I remind them, you, you know, you've been given the, the privilege of standing in front of people, but you should not earn the right to stand in front of people until you've earned the right beside them. And so always keep in mind, when you stand in front of people, your level of faithfulness ought to be at least equal to those that you're ministering to. And so, you know, a choir member shouldn't say, well, you know, choir's not Wednesday night. So Wednesday night is, is not as important. Again, I, I know there are factors that, that were there would be aware of, and there are, you know, work schedules that, you know, he has, to, he has all his own guidelines about all of that. Giving consideration to those things, be careful that you don't ever find yourself being less faithful than the people you stand in front of. That, that's back to another, another character aspect. And then obviously being punctual, make being on, on time um, a priority. Uh, it, it does affect a whole group when someone is late. And, and obviously that's going to happen to anybody sometimes, but you always know something's probably wrong if it's happening to the same person lots of times. And something is, is, is there. Whenever I'm late to something, and um, I, I try to be careful because I, had, I developed this at a time in, my, in ministry where, where I, I got this wrong in my mind. I thought, man, I just, I've got a lot going. And, and then I remember a particular time I overheard a conversation of a mom who had four kids who got there on time, and she was telling me what she went through to get there on time. And I thought, man, I have no excuse. And, and, and so it just made me realize, okay, there are a lot of people working to get here on time. I, I want to be one of those. And, and then another aspect of good practice is being engaged in practice. And um, work on not having to be told something twice. Work on giving Brother Aaron what you expected your kids to give you. Because some of you get so frustrated if you have to tell your kid the same thing three times. And yet a lot of times a choir director is stopping and saying, okay, let, let's clean this up. And, and one of the reasons that it doesn't get cleaned up is because when the choir director starts talking, so does everybody else. And, and therefore, things don't get noticed, the, the necessity, the importance of it, the details of it, they don't get noticed because there's just some practice that, that begins. It's almost like as soon as he starts talking, then we need to start talking. And, and I've, I've noticed that it, it's only the choirs in independent Baptist churches. I, I'm not saying it's the only ones that do it, but when I've watched the OSU choirs, watched the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, it is interesting that, that we're the ones who find it difficult to just say, okay, the Brother Aaron said, mark this and, and don't hold this out. And yet there's some people that it'll take them three times. And, and it, now when you're first learning in choir, that can happen because you're, you're learning to process those things. But you'll be amazed at how much more efficient a choir practice goes if somebody says, I'm going to do in choir as an adult what my parents tried to teach me at age four. And that is to obey right away all the way. And so that if he says, don't hold this out, I'm going to mark it. And I'm going to be sure that, that I get everything down here because we can waste a lot of time having to make the same mistake three times. That, that's, just, that's just little stuff, isn't it? But it makes a big difference. Um, I, I remember one time I just so frustrated in, in men's group practice. And, 
and we, I think we went over something five times, and it was in, I was introducing to them, there is a precious lamb, and, and I told them, I said, I want this section to be mysterious. And, and so I'm trying, to, I'm trying to do my best to sing to them mysteriously, you know. Of course, they're laughing and, and cutting up, you know, and, and joking about that part and, because they normally didn't get to do that. And so, um, so I happened to a couple of them, a couple of bases, which were always the problem. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's universal or if that's a Baptist thing or if that was just a men's group thing, but, but I happened to pick up their music. And I, I had to chuckle because in that section about mysterious, they had they had... They had said, watch, watch, watch. And then they had drawn Casper, the friendly ghost, on their music, you know, just so that, so they, because they were doing their best to remember, okay, mysterious, this is the only way basses can think, because they couldn't write the word mysterious, probably, you know. So they could draw Casper, so they drew Casper. and Draw whatever you have to, but just listen to what Brother Aaron says and, and make it a point, I'm not going to be the one to make this mistake twice. I mean, it, it'll, it'll make a difference. If every choir member will think that, it can help. And then just find a way to do what is being asked. And then I know it was interesting even, you're going to hate me for this, but I was listening a while ago when Brother Aaron started talking up here. I thought, I wonder if that's how choir practice goes. Because I tried, I tried to count about 10, 10 different voices, and then I was interested, how long is that going to go? Because it might help me understand how choir practice goes as to what I ought to cover up here, you know, and, and just trying to be a help. I'm just trying to be a help, of course, you know. It's like Brother Gaddis says when he cleans your hide and he says, I'm just trying to be a help to you, you know. Um, but, I, but I noticed a while ago, because that, that's what can happen, is that he's trying to convey, okay, let's get the next session started. And, and then there are some people that they just, they don't know. It just doesn't occur to them there's somebody on the platform trying to bring everything together. And so you decide you're going to be the person that says, if the person in, in, in charge, if they're starting to talk, then it's time for me to stop talking. And, and again, I know I, I used to think, well, people hate it when somebody comes in and, and they're that straight. But then I realized that's what they do with their kids. They're that straight. They're, they're expecting their kids to say, listen, when dad stops, starts talking, then I, I want you to listen to what he has to say because it's an authority that's trying to help them get somewhere, and Brother Aaron is the one who's trying to do that. And so just develop in your mind, when he starts, talk, starts talking, I stop talking. Boy, this is good stuff. Man. It, really is, it really is what makes a choir. You, you say, well, we're going to pray a lot. Well, you're going to pray a lot, but then you're going to keep your powder dry too. You're going to say, I'm going, I'm going to do what it is that God probably told me to do as a part of this prayer and just do the practical things. One of the greatest principles in, in all of ministry is we do what we can do, and God will then do what we cannot. I've noticed him do that with the music. When we do the parts we can do, then he will do the things that we can't. But, man, if we've given him everything we can, it is amazing. He, he, this, he exponentially does with what we give him. And when you give him such diligence, he can exponentially do so much more because of what he has been given. All right, so let's see. We, we've dealt with that. Let's go in just a, a little bit as we, we finish up some here on some of the aspects of the, of the character of a, of a choir member. You know, I, I, could, I am giving a few details. I give lots of details. But part of, the, part of the challenge is I love the idea of mindsets, that when people get something in their mind at a level that, that, is, that is a lot like LASIK surgery. You know, you have, if somebody can't see and they want to see well, 
then they can get glasses. But, you know, when I have these glasses, then I, I can see out of the corner of my eye. So I, I can look, you know, here. But I, I can see some of you out of the corner of my eye, and you're blurry. And so these glasses, I can put them on. I can see this way, but I can also take them off. And, and then everything is, you know, is blurry, and I don't have to, I don't have to wear them at all. So then I can take them off, and, and then I say, well, I want to get contacts because then, then I don't have any peripheral that's not clear. So I put contacts in, but I can still take them out if they irritate me. But then I remember one year for Christmas, the church gave me LASIK eye surgery. And in about three seconds, that surgery was over. I mean, literally three seconds. The next time I opened my eyes, I had perfect eyesight. Everything I saw all the time was right. That's what a mindset is. It, it's something that you believe, and it resides at a level that you can't, you can't not be that. You can't not think that. That it, it, it's just, it resides at a place where it's applied to everything, just like LASIK applies to everything that you see at all times. A mindset does that. And so the, the character of a choir member is you're, you're not talking music specific. You're talking about if there are just some basic aspects of attendance or paying attention at the character level, it is amazing what it does to a choir and that it doesn't actually have to be the music aspect. God can, can help those things. So one of the aspects of, of character for a choir member specific, not even just specifically, but it certainly applies, is when someone... Are they the same even when they're not in the spotlight? So when you watch, so Brother Gaddis gets, gets um, in the pulpit and he preaches. And, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave this for just a moment, Brother Aaron. But he, he preaches, or, or let's say that he's doing whatever he is in the service and somebody else is preaching. And so um, I, I'm assuming sometimes maybe he goes down and he sits by Angie, just like I do at Bible Baptist. I'll go down and sit by Lisa. Sometimes I'll be on the platform, but normally I go down. And so, but since he's not preaching, he just sits there and he's bored. When's he going to be done? He, it's not, I've watched him, it's not the way he is. It doesn't matter whether he's preaching on the platform or not, he's engaged. And it's not because he's a preacher, it's because there's some character there that says, these people don't want me to be one thing up there and then come sit in the pew and now the preaching, I'm not excited so nobody ought to be better singers in the pew than the choir member. I mean, even, I, I don't know when the choir goes down. I don't, do, do you stay up on Sunday morning or do you go down? You go down both services, right? I, I challenge the choir still water or just, man, sing the whole way down. You know, if, if you know the words, and sometimes it might be a, a new song, and we try to not do a you know, new song when we're going down so the choir can sing because they, they are the leaders on the platform, but because of character, we want them to be the leaders, the music leaders in the pew. And so they'll, they'll be just, just as engaged because that's not a music principle, that's a character principle. Because if, if I'm not, then I should not, if I'm not that way, if in the pew, then I'm not engaged in the singing or I'm not involved or I, I don't show up for the congregational singing, then there, there's something that's wrong at a character level, not at uh, a music level. And, and be sure that you... You, you kind of think through what, what does it take for me to be engaged in, in the pew. Um, I challenge, challenge our folks. I challenge you. Try to be sure that every word is clear. Um, that even, even in the pew, that, that you are singing, the, you sing the first words of every verse. And, and we, we all know what it's like. I'm sure Brother Aaron has been frustrated, probably different people in the pulpit, Whenever you have a, a sound man that's not as good as Brother Jude, and they, they discriminate against the first three or four words that anybody sings. 
You know, it's like they can't get it on until four or five words in, and then they turn the mic on, and we and we're all frustrated at that. And then it's like the Lord convicted me one time and said, "But that's how you do the beginning of verses sometimes." It's not the sound man's fault. You get frustrated when he doesn't get all the words out, but then you're not starting with zest right on the first word of the first verse. And I thought, man, that's, that's true. That's kind of hypocritical for me to get upset at the, the sound guy, and, and yet you know, I'm not staying up with the music and, and being engaged, and, and so that, that, can, can be, that can be a help. Um, you know, I've, I've, had, I've had kids, all three of my kids worked at Chick-fil-A at a particular point in time. And it's interesting, they have a great culture. Yeah, I know they're, they're not all the same, and, and all of those cultures, strong cultures wane over time, and, and I, I know there's some you know, signs, parts of, of theirs is, is doing that. But I, I like to talk to them about how specific Chick-fil-A gets to have that culture. And it's pretty interesting. I mean, if you're going to make a chicken sandwich that's going to be that popular, they have a lot of steps you have to go through, and they're going to try to enforce those steps. So it's always interesting to me that, that that's what goes into a chicken sandwich, and, and yet a choir has an opportunity to realize, all right, we, we have all these things that our choir director and music director says are important that are necessary for a service to come out right, and, and yet sometimes you can get people in church work that seem like they, they are not as caring about producing the service for God as the Chick-fil-A worker is to produce a chicken sandwich. And that they can have a strong culture, you know, they can have people lined up and the drive-through, you know, backed up till wherever because they, they are very consistent in executing their culture. And if they lose that, then they're going to lose the lines. You, you, you come into a church when you have the opportunity of a music program like Southwest has, and you, you just want so much for every member of the choir that's going to be on the platform to be, I, I care as much about our culture, even more about our culture of honoring God through music than, than the Chick-fil-A person does about a chicken sandwich. And I, I'm willing to take everything that Brother Aaron puts on this piece of paper and all the details, and I'm going to follow them all the way through. I'll just end in a, just a, a final list of, of things that seem to make a huge difference in excellence. Um, in a choir, and these won't be as specific, but they lead to specifics. This is still at a at a mindset level because you got to get out of your mind that it's just in the actual ministering, that it's just in the performance. That when when the choir actually sings, it's reflected in organization. One that has excellence, it's going to be reflected in not even the the way the organization is structured, but in the way that individual choir members deal with it. So. You, you will have organization. How, how's a choir folder handled? How is music handled? The, the organization has a lot to say about the excellence expected. And, and if you find that when you come in, boy, the, the music's ready, it's arranged, and you have people that, have been, been, that are dedicated to taking care of that and all of those things uh, happen automatically, then it ought to dawn on you, okay, somebody is trying to instill excellence. They're being sure that part got done, and so I'm going to be sure that my part of the organization gets done, that my involvement in the practice is going to be excellent, that my involvement in the actual ministering is going to be excellent. So... Try to ensure that excellence from top to bottom is illustrated. And if you see it in the leadership, then, then be sure that you exhibit it in, in your own. And then it's reflected in a spirit towards both success and failure. 
so when things go well, there's a particular spirit that can be excellent. That is not just saying, or, well, give God the glory. But whether as a choir, whether as a soloist, in, in whatever case, that, that it is really clear in your mind, you know, I'm going to have an excellent spirit that says, I want to be sure that God was the focus here. A lot of times um, it, it can be okay to have that excellent spirit in success, but then what about in failure? That's sometimes when it's hardest. And when I say failure, maybe when a special goes wrong, you know, you forget words or, or somebody completely loses their part and you practice this so many times, maybe in a group and, and you're having to deal with the, the relationships between people uh, or, or Brother Aaron has to come or somebody has to come to you and say, you know, you, you've, got, you've got to get your words down. Well, excellence in spirit really will be either seen as evidenced or absent at that time. Because they're, I think I know Brother Aaron enough to know, and, and a few people involved, that I mean, nobody's just trying to hammer somebody. Everybody's trying to keep in mind, this is for God, and so we're constantly going to strive. And, and if something didn't go right, don't assume that because somebody mentions it, they're just hammering you. A lot of times, they, they have to say something. They, they have to figure out, okay, is, is, this, a, is this a trend? Are, are, you not, are you having a hard time remembering your words or are you having a hard time hearing your part? Or, you, know, you, you can't have a great music program without times of correction, which is going to happen. Some people, maybe because the way they were raised and the kind of mom they had or the kind of dad they have, they are so sensitive to correction. And, and that's understandable, maybe in, in the way that they were raised that way, but you still have to mature enough to come to the level that, you know, Brother Aaron really did say it kindly enough that I ought to accept it because he's just trying to keep us at this level. And, and there is a responsibility that goes with standing in front of that many people. You know, again, if, if you've been given this big of an opportunity, it comes with that big of a responsibility. And, and I, I know there have been times we've had to say to people, you know, I, I think maybe the pressure is getting to you or, or maybe it's just psyching you out because I, I remember playing the piano at times. I get in front of people. I could do great in practice. I get in front of people, and, man, I just lose it. And, and I, I'd get psyched out, and I had to conquer that, and I didn't necessarily need to practice that on Sunday mornings, you know, say, well, let me get over this by putting me up on Sunday morning, and I'll get over it eventually, you know, 15 weeks later after I've messed up that many services. Sometimes a director has to say, listen, I, I need you to, to step back. I think you're just not getting there yet. Take one for the team. Take one for the Lord. Say so that, you know, I need to step back, and I, I'm going to accept the correction, the spirit that I have in correction, uh, I, I will accept. Um, excellence is reflected in the clarity of lyrics. If we're going to say that the message is the most important, then let's be sure that we practice that. Um, there, there is something that, again, if you will let clarity of lyrics reside at the mindset level, at the LASIK level, it'll be a great win for you. Because you can come to a point where it just becomes your practice, where you don't have to think, oh, I need to sing more clearly. I need to articulate more clearly. There actually is the way that God designed the brain. There is a way for that to be embedded so deeply that it just starts to happen. It's almost like brushing your teeth the same way every time. I mean, you have the very routine. You don't even think about it. Clarity, articulation of lyrics can be like that. And it can be a help in, in, the, in the choir. It can be a help in congregational singing. Um, it can be a help all the way around. Another area where excellence is demonstrated is in the absence of showmanship. 
that, that there can be realizing just because you can doesn't mean you should. And I think that's been reflected well in a lot of the piano players through the years here, that there's a lot more they can do, and yet there seems to be a, a limiting to let, let's, let's just do what is necessary to minister the, the mood of this song and, and the direction of this song and the flow of this song. Um, and, and yet be sure that even in your singing that there is an excellence is reflected in absence of showmanship. Um, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And I, I'm sure Brother Aaron covers that at times. Um, and then seen in the flexibility of a servant in an absence of, of arrogance. Uh, one of the things that I, I think that I've observed here uh, is there is just intended to be a servant spirit instead of the prima donna among musicians and people in the music. And, and the, the greater your ability... There should be a correlation between the greatness of your ability and, and the height of your humility. Um, God will allow you to go even further to the extent that your humility will let you. And, and so be humble. Be humble as a music program. Be humble as an individual choir member. Be humble as a soloist in, in specials. Be sure that, that there, it always remains this is a church full of servants. Some get to be on the platform. Some get to sit in the pew. Some get to serve kids. Some get to serve buses. Others teach a class. Everybody's a servant, and, um, and you just consider it a privilege. So I'll, I'll leave you with the Old Testament Levite versus the New Testament Levite. And I hope that when you leave this time, you really have it clear in your mind uh, if, if maybe you've let the privilege go down a little bit and you need to go back and, and say, God, I, I, I want to realize how special it is to be a part of this, of this right here, and that it's um, a brotherhood and a sisterhood that have such a vision for Southwest's greatest days being ahead, including the music as much as anything, and, and let God use your spirit to take you all into the greatest days in which maybe we haven't even seen the a drop in the bucket of what Southwest can be and the influence you can have musically around the country to a lot of other churches. Take the position God's given you and use it wisely.